The rest of you, could you please grab your Bibles and go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. We're going to read a bit uh, in a moment. Now, Easter holidays are upon us. We've got the bank holiday weekend. The kids have been off last week. They're off again next week for most schools. And one of the things that tends to happen in our house when it's holidays, it's like no one says anything, it just seems to happen, is that is a jigsaw puzzle appears out of nowhere. And we've now got one jigsaw puzzle out that will be our mission to finish over the next few days. And if we can put it up, this is what our jigsaw puzzle looks like at the moment. And the boys got this out, and I'm like, what on earth is that? But this one's an interesting one. This one you have to look at through different glasses. Ah, yeah, that's right. So when you put the green filters on and you look at it, you only see certain things. And you think, oh, that might help you, but it doesn't see everything. But then if you put the blue ones on, you can then see, because they're, they're grouped by, like, there's insects, I think there's birds, and there's kind of just animals, land animals. And then you've also got the red ones. So it's actually a bit harder than we used to, and it's only 500 pieces. But actually, we need to use, oops, excuse me, our filters to see it and then to do it and to make it work. And without the filters on, you can't see the picture, you can't see it clearly, and therefore it comes 10 times harder when you haven't got them on and I'm trying to do it and the boys are wearing the other bits and I'm like, what? I can't see my colours, what it is. And what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at the correct filter for the Christian life, which is the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Because if you don't look at the Christian life through the lens, the filter of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, you're going to miss everything and you won't see the picture clearly and we've been in our series heaven started counting one two three and we've got to the final part verse three today where we're focusing particularly on the resurrection and the apostle paul said the resurrection of jesus from the dead was of first importance it was number one in the priority list of what he proclaimed as an apostle that started um, with the church planting new churches was the message that Jesus Christ was alive. He died, yep, but he rose bodily from death. And that was his message to the world. And so we've looked at, in our Heaven Started Counting, we look at number one, which was Friday, a couple of weeks ago, which was the death of Jesus on the cross. Then there was number two, which was last week, which was the Sabbath, where Jesus rested, waited in the grave. There was that, and now we've got to three, the final part, which is a day of hope and a day of victory. So we're going to look at the passage, I hope you found it, uh, Luke 24. We're going to read it together, I will lead you, and we're going to read it, three slides, we're going to give ourselves to the public reading of scripture, so it should appear on there, I'm going to read it from here. All together, ready, can you read that? One, two, three, go. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you 
why he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Well, where's the rest? Is it, is it, is it that, where's the rest? Okay, I'll read it to you and we'll see if we can pick up that bit. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, Anglican's in here! <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Flashbacks to my youth there. Okay, big idea. The big idea today is that, oh, that works. Big idea, the resurrection is the filter through which we see everything. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the filter through which we see everything in our Christian life. All right, we're going to look at that passage. We're going to look at three things. We're going to look at new beginnings, new message, and new mission. And then we're going to apply it a bit, and then we're going to take communion, bread, and wine together. First one, new beginning, verses 1 to 3, new beginning. On the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Okay, we've seen Friday, Jesus' death on the cross. We've seen the Saturday where there was the waiting, the Sabbath, where they had to rest under Jewish law. And we've seen in that time, um, obviously, despair from the disciples and the women who have been following Jesus, that actually all their hopes had come to nothing. He died And then there was the waiting where they had to wait and they would have been confused about what was going on. They thought Jesus was the one. He was the one who was to come. He was the one to to bring freedom to Israel. He was the one to establish his kingdom. Yet suddenly he's dead and he was murdered by the Romans. And also that is his own people, God's own leaders were complicit in it. So it's all come to nothing. It's all come to crashing down. They must have been afraid for their own safety. They must have been confused. How can this be what's happened? Yet, from heaven's perspective, this was not the end. From heaven's perspective, this was just a new beginning. This was the unfolding plan of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the resurrection of Jesus from the dead means a new beginning for everyone. And the text helps us put frame this because it says, first few words, but on the first day of the week, first day of the week is a new beginning. For them, what we call this Sunday, but for them that would have been whatever they called it, but it's after the Sabbath, first day of the week. And we have the Sunday, which is the first day of the week. Something new has begun. And then it says, at early dawn, so at the earliest point of the new day, of the new week, something's happening. The sun would have just been rising. They, they have a service here in Sutton Coldfield called the Sunrise Service where people get up at the crack of dawn on Easter Sunday to go and stand in a field and have a service. Some of our people were here, weren't they? Hayley, can we give an amen to Hayley? She was there and she made it to church this morning. But they were there, first thing, sunrise. Something's happening, something is beginning Something new is coming, and Luke is hinting 
to us as his readers, something's happening, something is beginning. And it says, um, after that, it says, they, we'll find out later, that's the women, they head to the tomb. They're taking the spices they had prepared. The reason they had the spices was because they needed to anoint the body of Jesus because he was dead. You anoint the corpse and you put him in the, the, the cloth preparing for burial and kind of the saying goodbye process. And they had started that, but they had to hold that because the Sabbath was there. They had to rest. They had to stop. But now they're continuing. So first thing in the morning, on the new day, the new week, they're off to go and find it. But then it says they come, verse 2, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. The stone shouldn't be rolled away from the tomb. The stone should be across the tomb, covering the entrance, because there's dead bodies inside. You seal tombs. That's what you do. Stop grave robbers. Also gets, can get very smelly. Dead bodies seals the tomb. Also has that kind of privacy and that endness. They come to the tomb and they find the stone is rolled away. And when they went in, so they go into the tomb because it's open. It says they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. There's another hint there. He's still referred to as the Lord Jesus. This isn't just some guy who died. He is the Lord. So we have new beginnings right here at the part of this passage that Luke is hinting to his readers, this isn't over. We've had death, we've had waiting, but there is a new beginning. Something has started and it centers around the Lord Jesus. And this is just the unfolding plan of heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit working out his purposes in the world. Then we get to the new message, verses 4 to 7. It says, while they were perplexed about this, the tomb is open, there's no body. It says, Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, and they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you why he was still in Galilee, but the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. So the woman's confusion, it says they were perplexed, didn't understand it, is totally understandable. Because they'd gone to the tomb expecting to find a body. And for one, the tomb's open and there's no body. What is going on? And then we get a behold. When you have a behold in your Bible text, something significant is about to happen. It's the way the translators are trying to, tra trying to get the sense across. Okay, there's something going to happen. It says, behold, two men stood by them. Well, big deal, two men. Ah, oh, but they were in dazzling apparel. These were angelic visitors. Now, we can get a bit numb to this with our constant diet of special effects in movies and all the stuff we see on the telly and, you know, impressive things are like, well, we see that a lot. But back then, they wouldn't have had that. And so these two men appear in a blinding flash. They're there radiating the glory of heaven because they are heavenly messengers come to see them. And so it says their response in verse 5 was completely completely natural they were frightened and they bowed their faces to the ground for these ladies something happened that was so significant that their only response is to lie on the floor and cover their faces there must have been epic whatever happened there these two men come and it says to them this question this key question it says why do you seek the living among the dead so from a human perspective, there was confusion. What's going on? Where's the body? No Jesus. Not expecting this. The tomb's empty. Uh-oh. But from heaven's perspective, from heaven's perspective, there is a new message that's coming. 
a new message from heaven that's coming to earth, to the people of earth to listen to and understand. And the, the, the angels start with a question, why do you seek the living among the dead? Looking in the wrong place only leads to futility. The women were looking in the wrong place and they were never going to get anywhere. You look in the wrong place for Jesus, you're never going to get anywhere. And then the question is followed by the statement, the new message. Very simple. He has risen. He is not here. He is no longer dead. He is alive. We come now to the core of the Christian message, the core of the message of the Bible, of the church over the millennium is simply this. He has risen. Jesus is alive. He is no longer dead. We've got the story. He died on uh, Good Friday, crucified on the cross. He was dead. He was then buried in the tomb on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, he is now risen. Heaven started counting. One, two, three. And here's the three, here's the punchline. Jesus is alive. And the angels proclaim that message. And then they simply remind the women what Jesus had already told them, which they hadn't got. So they needed revelation. They need heaven to speak to them. And we get the revelation and they are addressed. And it says this, remember how he, Jesus, told you while you were still in Galilee. So this was a while. They're in Jerusalem now. So it was a while back. Galilee's way up north. When he was up there with you in the north walking around, he told you something. And he said that the Son of Man, that's the title Jesus uses for himself. We're going through the Gospel of Mark. You see it in that. It points to Jesus' humanity, but also has echoes back to Daniel 7, where it talks about the Son of Man becoming for the Ancient of Days, one who gives, who's given all, all power and authority. So we have this dual thing, humanity and also divinity all there. So Jesus said, the son of man, he said he must be delivered. This talks about his betrayal by Judas. He said it must happen. This is all part of God's plan, all part of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and eternity past putting the plan together. How do we deal with the problem of sin and humanity? We'll put it together. So he must be delivered. And within that phrase, we see Jesus' betrayal, but also we see the hand, the sovereign hand of God, the Father, orchestrating things um, this is how it has to be. It says, he will be given to sinful men. So actually man is involved, not just the sovereignty of God, but the responsibility of man. They were sinful in their actions. They just conspired against Jesus. So they got someone to betray him. They accused him falsely, and then they murdered him. That had to happen. And they said he was crucified. Very specific about his mode of death. Jesus said, this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be crucified by the Romans, but then we get the big three at the end, and on the third day, he will be raised to life by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the message of the gospel. This is the message of the church. This is the message of Jesus. This is the message of the angelic um, messengers sent by God to come to proclaim to humanity. Jesus was meant to come. He was meant to die. He was meant to rise again. And so from heaven's perspective, this revelation brings a new message to humanity. Jesus is alive. He is no longer dead. He is alive, which then leads to a new mission. A new mission. It says, and they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women who had been 
uh, who told these things to the apostles. So the woman remembered what happened. There was suddenly a penny drop moment, a light bulb moment, where they're like, yes, Jesus had said those things. We understand it now. We see it in context. We've been given a new perspective. We understand the message. And their response, their immediate response is to go on a new mission to communicate this good news to others. He is alive doesn't just become a revelation of the fact that's happened. It then becomes a message to communicate to others, and the mission is formed out of that. We will tell others, Jesus is alive. Interestingly, are the women instructed to tell others? No, they're not in the text. They just do. They've heard something so amazing, so life-changing, the enormity and weight of what's happened compels them to go and tell others. If you've ever been, um, had good news in your life, one of the most natural things to do is to tell others. And the joy of social media makes this so easy to tell the world your good news. Guess what I had for breakfast? Not that kind of good news. I'm talking about life-changing. But it's, we've had situations in my life when we got engaged, we wanted to tell everyone, men and I. Then when we got pregnant with um, our boys, we wanted to tell everyone. It was just good news. It was life-changing news. So you naturally wanted to pass it on, and then others get to celebrate in your joy, and it just becomes an on and on a thing, and it's wonderful. And these women had had a life-changing encounter. They had heard news that meant nothing was going to be the same again. Nothing was going to be the same in their lives. Everything changed, and their instant response is to go and tell others. And it says they, um, Luke names them, so that if Luke was a great historian, and he wanted to make sure all his details were correct, and he researched everything, so he names the witnesses there. If you ever wanted to check them, you go and talk to these people. For his early readers, they'd still been alive. They're still been around. If you want to go and find out what's happened, you go and find Mary and Joanna and the other Mary who's the mother of James, and talk to them, and you will hear about these good news. So what they did is they, they went, and it says they told the 11, um, oh, sorry, the apostles, and it also says the rest later on, doesn't it? They all told the 11 and the rest, so we got the, the 11 disciples minus Judas. He's gone off. He's betrayed Jesus. He hung himself. The 11 remaining, and all the others, because we find out later in the book of Acts, there might be as much as 120 of them. So there was a whole bunch of people they wanted to tell, and they told them all these things. So everything they had heard, so they had told them about, they went to the tomb, the the stone was moved, the tomb was empty. We met these two guys, whoa! And then they told us Jesus is alive, so we came to to see you. And so what Luke is doing is making sure that people understand that there is a message that's coming out. These women are now on a mission. He names them to add credibility to their testimony. But then we get to verse 11. Love this. This is the mighty apostles, men of God. But these words seem to be an idle tale and they did not believe them. Can you imagine how that conversation went? The women came back from the tune. You'll never guess what, you'll never guess what. Ladies don't talk like that. That's just how I, I think they talk. It's doing well. I'm safe up here while I'm up here. I'm safe. And you can imagine the 12, the 11, sorry, who were there, who were despairing. They hadn't got up to go early to the tomb. 
doesn't, it doesn't go well for them. And it says they, they were an idle tale, it says. Just chatter, noise, nothing, meaningless. And it says they, it was really, they didn't believe them. We don't believe you. These faithful women who've been in G- with Jesus since uh, Luke 8, they're mentioned. So we're in Luke 24. In Luke 8, they're mentioned. They've been following Jesus. They've been faithful. They come with his message. And the response of the mighty disciples, the apostles, is we don't believe you. Whether that's through cynicism, through fear, through despair, we don't know. But the reality of the new mission there is not all will believe. Well, they might not even believe straight away anyway. So the women come back excited. They do it, but they're just dismissed. Their testimony is dismissed. It's evaluated and discarded. And it doesn't happen. However, it says, there's hope. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. So investigation there on Peter. They'd obviously said enough for him to go, I need to check this out for myself. I may not believe it instantly. I may not believe it straight away. I might think they're just, what's going on? I, don't, I'm not, I can't get my head around that, but I'm going to go and look at it for myself. And he too ends up marveling. And we know later, obviously, Peter fully believes it and becomes one of the leaders of the early church and used powerfully by God. But what we've got here, we've got a new beginnings with Jesus' resurrection from the dead, which becomes the new message that this is what we proclaim. He is alive, which then becomes the new mission to go and to communicate to others that they too can hear the good news that Jesus is alive and what that means. So let's look at it for what it means for us. Right here and now, the resurrection of the dead means a new beginning. After the waiting of Saturday comes a new beginning of Sunday. Following Jesus is all about new beginnings. It's about new life in him. And if you do not use the filter of the resurrection and how you follow Jesus, it will have a significant effect If you don't use the filter of the resurrection, Christianity will descend into self-help and good advice for life rather than radical transformation. Because the resurrection from the dead is about radical, life-changing transformation. As much as Jesus was a dead body who then was transformed completely by the power of the Spirit into a new resurrection body. We looked at this last season when we did 1 Corinthians 15, particularly went into that, that there is a transformation of his body. It's just not a reanimated corpse. It is a new, transformed body of a different order. The old has gone, the new has come. And being part of God's kingdom is about that. From heaven's perspective, it's not about trying to improve your life or give you advice. It's about transforming men and women completely, making them new creations. Jesus says you must be born again into his kingdom. Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that we are new creations if we are in Christ. We're not just slightly approved, slightly upgraded We are completely new of a different order. Once we were lost and blind and guilty and condemned, we were orphans, we were sinners, we were objects of wrath and part of the kingdom of darkness, the Bible says. But in Christ, we are new creations. We are born again. We are holy, righteous, forgiven, adopted, loved, members of God's family and been brought into his kingdom. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, his followers can be utterly transformed 
in this life and then in the next. If we turn away from living our old life, if we put our faith and trust in him, if we repent of our sins, if we cry out to him, we are born again, we are transformed, we are new creations. There are new beginnings in our life that will start now but then echo on into eternity. And this is the privilege of what it means to be a Christian, of what it means to follow Jesus, that we get to do that. Second thing, the resurrection means a new message. As a result of this transformation, um, we can proclaim this new message to others. And this message is a message of a resurrection. It's about resurrection life. It's about resurrection hope. It's not about making you a bit better or giving you a little bit of advice to help you out. It is about a new life. We proclaim the message that Jesus came to earth as God the Son. He lived the perfect life. He died in our place for our sin. He rose bodily from death. And he now rules and reigns victorious. And he sent the Holy Spirit to come and be with us and work us out, work out with us as part of the church and transform us slowly, slowly into his image. Then one day we will see him face face and be utterly and completely transformed and we will be with him forever. And we get to live in the light of that. And that's not a, a relationship based on merits. It's not something you can earn. It's not something you can give into. If I work hard enough, then I'll get there. No, it's something that's been done for you. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. Job done. I've finished. I've won. It's over. And then the resurrection vindicates that, and we get to live in the good of that. So we cannot improve ourselves. And some of us, the danger is, is you go looking in the wrong place like the women. They were looking for the living amongst the dead. And so they were at the tomb. Where's the body? We need the body. We need to anoint it. We need to wrap it in cloth, prepare it for burial. And actually, they'd got it completely wrong. He's alive. He's living. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you. And some of us find, look for hope in the wrong place. We look for it in work. Work's my salvation. If I just work and I climb the career ladder, ladder that gets me approval that gets me to God that gets me to heaven that's how I'm going to be kind of saved that's why I get my validation from my work and actually you're looking in the wrong place some of you it might be home or, or pursuing money it might be the family thing and actually if I get that if my family look alright if I get the big enough house the next house and it's better it's got another bedroom that I don't need but I just I do need it you're looking for a validation and salvation in the wrong place it's the wrong place. The only place you can have it is in Christ, the resurrected Christ. He's the only way to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one. We have to find it in Jesus. And that's the message that we proclaim. But it's also the message that we live by. And then finally, the resurrection means a new mission. It's a new mission. Because We've got a new beginning because there is a new message. We go out on a new mission, not born out of guilt or obligation, but out of joy and amazement. He's alive and he saved me. And I get to share that wonderful news with you today. It was amazing being at Messy Easter on Friday and just seeing the opportunity to proclaim the message that he is alive to hundreds not just the kids, it's all their grown-ups who are there as well. And they're all sitting there doing this. I'm like, yeah, heaven's counting. There's a message here. Do you want to know Jesus for yourself? It was fantastic. And good news needs to be shared. It has to be shared. 
We are compelled to share it. And Jesus' resurrection from the dead is the greatest good news ever. It is the greatest good news. We get to share that there is more to this life than just the, the, the endless grind to accumulate more and do more and then find out it doesn't satisfy. And then we'll do more and more. Actually, you can have life, life in abundance through knowing Jesus now. He can deal with the problems in your life of sin. He puts you right with God in heaven. And Jesus himself, once he'd risen from the dead, he came to his church. And just to make it clear to his followers what they were to do, he gave them a commission. It's a great commission. It says in Matthew 28, And Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, there's another behold, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's our mission, church. That's what we're about. We're here to communicate the good news of Jesus. Beyond putting on great meetings and great events and doing good community, it's to tell the good news that Jesus is alive to everyone, all nations, even this one. And so that's what we're to do. And so I want to challenge you at the end. As we finish now, we're going to share bread and wine together. But how are you going to apply this? What are you going to do with this? For some of you, you need to make a response to Jesus personally. You need to do that. You need to say that actually you're the one who needs to hear the message that Jesus is alive. That he is alive. He has risen. He died on a cross and then he rose bodily from death. He ascended into heaven and he rules and reigns victorious now. He's present on earth by his spirit, the Holy Spirit. But actually that's a response you need to make. You need to recognize your sin before God. You need to recognize your failure before him and then put your faith and trust in him for salvation and nothing else. Forsake everything else as your way to gain approval or gain acceptance before God because ultimately it doesn't work. For some of you believers here, some of you are still looking for it in the wrong place. Maybe you've realized, okay, yeah, I have become a Christian. I am saved. Jesus has saved me. But actually, I need to add some things. He needs help. Do you know, He's busy. There's a lot of people on the world. So I need to just maybe add to him. I need to make sure I've got my career going the way I want it. I've got the bigger house. I've got the better this. That's, that's where I'm also putting my trust in because Jesus, you know, there's eight billion of us now or whatever. He can't handle all of us. Some of you are simply looking for salvation in the wrong place and it can only be found in him. And for some of you, you need to repent. Some of you need to change your attitude. Some of you even now are squirming internally and thinking, actually, I need to put some stuff to death. I'm looking in the wrong place. That won't satisfy, that won't work. Whatever that is, you need to do some business with God. And for all of us who proclaim the name of Jesus, we have the awesome privilege and responsibility to proclaim the good news to anyone and everyone in all nations of the world. And it's not a big message. It's not even a hard message. It's just simply this, he is alive. He is alive. And that is the message the church has been proclaiming for 2,000 years. And it works. Because it's true. And lives are still being transformed all over the world, even in this nation. People here, we can all testify, if you've met the living Jesus, that your life has been transformed by that. So what we're going to do now is we're going to take some communion together. Hopefully you've got your little thing. If you, want, if you haven't, there's some spares up here. Just come and grab one. And if you need some free from wafers, there's some here. Please grab one of them. And what I want us to do is I want us to take some communion together do some business with our Lord, and then we're going to worship and celebrate the good news that he is alive. So if you want to open up and get your wafer ready...
when we, when we share um, the wafer, we remember the body of Jesus broken um, for us. So this particular member of the cross, we also remember the blood shed for us in, in the juice that's in there. And we've looked back on the Friday of Jesus' death and we've looked back on the Saturday in the waiting. And what I want to look today is I want to look forward to the future. But because of his death and resurrection, we have a hope in the future. And we keep celebrating this meal with our eyes forward as well as backwards. They look back to his death on the cross, they look today to the present, but they also look to the future, to the hope that comes. And as we deal with God now and we engage with God I want you to be doing some business with him, with your eyes on the future. That there is a day coming when we will all have to stand in judgment before God. And we all need to give an account for our life. And actually we need to get some things right now. Yes, we have an advocate in heaven who stands before us, which is wonderful. But actually, at the same time, he's saying, deal with your junk now. If you've got stuff in your life you need to deal with, deal with it now, before God. And so maybe you want to take a moment to do that before we said. Uh, have bread and wine get some stuff right you might need to repent of stuff you might need to ask for forgiveness for things you'll do that and then I'll lead you in taking the bread and the wine together Okay, you just want to take your bread, the body of Jesus, broken for you. The blood of Jesus shed for you. Once you've done that, do you want to stand? I'm going to pray. The band want to come back up here, and then we will... I'll finish. They want to close your eyes, open your hands. Lord God, we want to thank you for the message of the resurrection. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you are alive. We thank you that we can proclaim that. We thank you that we can live in the good of that. We thank you for the plan hatched in eternity past by Father, Son, and Spirit that this would be the way. That Jesus, you would come. You would live that perfect life. You would die on that cross. So you would then rise from death victorious. And we get to live in the good of that. We thank you that we can now relate to the Father through you by the power of the Spirit that we can enjoy that. We thank you, Lord, that we have been transformed. We are born again, new creations of a different order, of a different nature. And what we see only in part of the moment, one day we will see in full completion one day when we will gain resurrection bodies and we will live in a new heaven and a new earth and be with you forever. Lord, we thank you for the new message that we can proclaim to the world. We thank you for the new mission we're on to tell everyone who will hear, everyone who will listen, you are alive. 
And we love you and we praise you and we live in the good of that, God. And we say today, now, fill us with your spirit that we may be transformed into the image of Jesus, that we may come boldly before our Father in heaven to praise, to ask requests, whatever it is. Thank you that forgiveness is freely given through your death and resurrection. It's a good day to be a Christian because you are alive. Amen.